Wow, that was quick. Welcome. Once again to Vineyard Community Church. We're glad you're with us. We're going to start a brand new series today um, that's called Get Connected. And uh, this is and continues to be a part of the greater ministry of encouragement. And we're really working through a thing that we've called the Encourager's Plan. And we're incorporating five things that I'm hoping that we will ultimately get to as part of your daily sort of discipleship in life, growing with the Lord. And that these five areas, I think, are, are important for us to get together. And we've worked on uh, a couple of them already, and we've talked about uh, uh, the importance of being thankful, and we'll talk about that some more, and we'll develop that. We've talked about getting out there and encouraging people, taking a stand, um, working on those things, and uh, the reasons behind that. And we've laid out the foundation of the Ministry of Encouragement, and along the way, um, I've asked those of you that have been coming to memorize some passages of Scripture along with this. And I know for some that's easy, and for some it's not so easy, but I would continue to, to encourage you to memorize those passages of Scripture. And most of you will be very happy with the, this current series because you've already know these verses that we're going to look at in the next weeks, which are Matthew 6, uh, 9 through 13. And if you don't know what they are, they're called the Lord's Prayer. And so most of you are like, I got it! Because you know that one. But hang on, before we go there, roll back a slide, because I want to go over something else before we get there. So, the, the verses that I'd ask you to memorize and see how you're doing, and if not, you can go back and learn. And we're Hebrews 10, 19 through 25, and Ephesians 6, 12 through 18. You guys remember? And so, uh, Hebrews 10, see the problem is when you memorize them now, we've been doing this for close to 20 weeks. If you don't go back to them, you forget them. At least I do, because... My 50-year-old brain now doesn't remember things unless I do them all the time. Um, you know, we, we play music. I have to have the music in front of me from week to week or I can't remember the songs. And it, it doesn't matter that I might have done it. I did these songs Wednesday. If I didn't have the sheets in front of me, I'd forget the words. I don't remember them like I used to. My son Douglas, who's going to be 20 here shortly, remembers everything. He never needs a music sheet, ever. He, he just plays. And it's all up in this brain. You know, wouldn't that be great? <laughs> but for me, it doesn't work that way. But Hebrews 10, 19 through 25, use memorization and repetition. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us um, through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. And let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, we, we've talked about those verses and, and I, I still submit to you that those are some of the best verses that you could ever think of first thing in the morning because it sort of gets you on track. It, it kind of reminds you of the big picture. We have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. We have a great priest in Christ over the house of God and we can come near him in confidence and so if you haven't memorized those, I encourage you to start working on them. Then in the last series, we talked about Ephesians 6, 12 through 18, uh, and taking a stand and putting on the armor of God. And these are powerful verses in getting us ready to go and do the ministry. And those verses say this, For our struggle 
is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and continue to pray for all the saints. See, those verses are powerful. And, and, uh, and actually, that, that last verse was always be praying for all the saints. I almost got it right. And so the, the, as we finish that last series with that last verse, which was the last thing we talked about, uh, it moves us in the direction then of praying. Always keep praying for all the saints. With all this in mind, with everything that's happening, with this whole concept of the ministry of encouragement, we're called to pray. And so we're going to look at Matthew 6, 9 through 13 in these next weeks. I would encourage you to memorize it a verse at a time. Most of you already know it. I'm going to learn it in the NIV because I, I, I know the one that all of us know, and I don't know which translation it even comes out of because I can't. I've looked at all of them, and none of them are quite what everybody says. And, and so we're gonna, we'll streamline it a little. And this, but this is the chunk of scripture we're gonna learn in the next five weeks, alright? And now you can flash it up, up, up on the top. And, and so Matthew 6, 9 starts with this. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That will be the foundation of the series that we're heading into in the next five weeks as we talk about prayer and how to pray. And this um, passage of Scripture was what Jesus gave to his disciples when they asked him, when they went to him and said, Jesus, teach us to pray. It was so obvious that Jesus' prayer was so powerful that his guys wanted to know how he did it. And so this is the prayer that he taught them. Now, this prayer, um, it's my belief that this prayer was never intended to be something that you just said over and over again in repetition. Rather, this prayer is a model for how to pray, to keep us focused, to give us direction, and that each of those components is, is a help in figuring out how we're supposed to pray and the things that we're supposed to pray for it. Sort of is a guide for all those things. And that's how I look at the Lord's Prayer and um, what I hope that we'll talk about together in the weeks ahead. So we're going to start with, today, uh, Matthew 6, 9, which says, This then is how you should pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. I always, when I see this prayer, I always think about kids in Sunday school and some of the things that kids in Sunday school say when they're learning this verse. And uh, like one, one little kid said, um, they thought it said, you know, our, our Father in heaven, um, uh, <laughs> Hollywood be thy name. Because some people say hallowed funny. And, and another one was our Father who art in heaven, what be your name? 
because they, they didn't hear it quite right. And so, so we need to, to make sure that we're, we're, uh, we're learning it a little better than that. But that's sometimes the best the kids can do. It reminds me of this other kid in Sunday school who was on the playground making faces at the other kids. And the Sunday school teacher came up to him and said, You know, uh, when I was a little kid, my teachers always told me that if I made faces like that, my face would get stuck in those positions. And the little kid looked up at him and said, Well, at least you were warned. Okay, never mind. As we look at Matthew 6, 9, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. I want to talk about um, the, the idea behind this verse to me is to get focused in on who God is, on the character of God, on the nature of God, and that uh, it's, it's very important that we understand that he's called, we're to approach him as our father. And that even more intimately than that, that Jesus taught his disciples that when we go to God, we're actually to approach him as our daddy. And Jesus introduced the term Abba into the process, which is the Aramaic intimate term for daddy. And it's what children say to their parents. Little children say to their dad, uh, to their father, when, when they connect with him, they call him Abba, Daddy. And that um, this was an over-the-top sort of introduction by Jesus into the culture that he arrived in because uh, the, the, the Jewish culture had so sort of ritualized the, the process that you, you didn't have an intimate relationship with God. In fact, they couldn't even say the name God. They, they wouldn't even write it. They, they came up with other terms. And Jesus comes in and says, no, you've, you're missing this. He wants you to relate with him as daddy. That's the type of relationship we're supposed to have. Romans 8.15 says, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to spear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. And so um, these, this verse tells us that... that we are to call him daddy. I got a, a, a thing in the, you know, we take, take prayer requests here and they go into the offering and then they, all the prayer requests are gathered up and given to me and I, I pray for them. And, and uh, one time somebody wrote on there, it wasn't all that long ago, uh, they wrote this, you know, um, you need to quit because I refer to God in here as daddy all the time or papa. You, you've heard me do it. They, they wrote in there, you need to quit referring to God as papa. It, it's offensive. But they didn't sign it. So I, I couldn't go back to and, and deal with it because it, this, the scripture is very clear that we're to call him daddy and papa. I mean, it's very, very clear in, in the scripture, but they didn't sign it. And it, it sort of reminded me of this pastor who, um, who got a piece of paper in the offering one day and all that was written on it was fool. And he looked at that and he said, you know, I've had a lot of people before give me notes and not sign them, but I've never had anybody before just sign it and forget to write the note. Hey, I'm working hard here for you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> okay. So, um, we need to see God not as a force, but as someone that we can have relationship with. Because you can't connect, and that's what this series is all about, with an impersonal force. You connect with God as your Father. Now, the problem is, though, that not everyone has a great sort of Father concept. Um, it's a fallen world, broken planet, 
some of those issues exist. And so um, father can unfortunately be kind of negative for some folks. But, but what we need to do is know um, what kind of father God is. And, and that's how we start as we begin to pray uh, this process, is remembering what kind of father he is. And so I have four quick points that I want to make on that topic. And it won't take us long. First one, point number one is this. He loves you. He loves you. God loves you more than you will ever know. Romans 8, 38 and 39. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. 1 John 3.16 says, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down His life for us. God loves you. So much that He gave His one and only Son for you. Now, if you were here last week, um, you, you got to hear Barry speak, and I, he did a great job. I, I appreciated having him up here. I hope you got here. He made this great point in the message, talking about the love of God for you, when he said this. You know, uh, he said, somebody might lay down their own life for the lives of their loved ones, for their families, but, but he took it to another level, and I, I don't think I'd ever thought of it that way. You, you, you wouldn't do that with one of your children for somebody else. He said it's, and it takes it at a whole different level, this concept. And yet God gives his one and only son that we might have life. See, this, this is love that we have trouble even comprehending or grasping because it takes it at a whole nother level. And yet that's the kind of love that, that he has for us. And so as you begin to pray, you start by by grasping the best that you can that He loves you more than you can ever imagine. So many people go to God with this whole performance thing and they think they can't, you know, they're not good enough or whatever. Look, He loves you. And that's, that's first and foremost. He loves you. So we have to go to God like that. He's, he's your daddy. And He loves you. He wants you to come to Him in that, in that way. Second thing, there's, you need to know that He's faithful. He's faithful. This is really important. Um, another thing you might want to write there besides he's faithful is this. He keeps his promises. He keeps his promises. That's, that's his faithfulness. He always keeps his promises. 2 Timothy 2.13, if we are faithless, he will remain faithful, for he cannot disown himself. Romans 11.29, this is out of a message paraphrase, but I like it. God's gifts and God's call are under full warranty. Never canceled, never rescinded. I like that. Under full warranty. He's faithful. He's, it's a promise. It's yours. It's, you can't, you know, in this, in this type of year, this time of year, you know, you start buying presents and everything for, isn't it? They do this thing now. Everything you buy now, they want, you want the extended warranty. And I always want to say, just make it good enough in the first place. <laughs> but everything. I mean, I, I, little tiny things, and you're like, I bought a toy for my grandson. You want the extended warranty? I'm like, why? He's one. He's, you know, he's going to play with a box. The toy will be history in six months. Four dollars more. It only costs ten dollars. They're making a small fortune. Nonetheless, I'm off track. So, I'm sorry. <laughs> I have nowhere to go with that. <laughs> Full warranty. He's faithful. He keeps his promises. Um, one of the greatest causes of resentment 
And rebellion in children, unfortunately, is broken promises. And, and unfortunately, kids get so used to it, they come up with sayings. Like, like, have you ever heard a little kid say, um, cross your heart, hope to die, stick a needle in your eye? That's a pretty crazy statement, isn't it? Why do they come up with stuff like that? Because they've had promises broken. They're trying to get a commitment on a promise. And, and so we need to be very careful, um, and especially if you still have children around, um, with everyone. If you, if you make a promise, it, you need to do your best to keep it. My kids, I, I've told this story so many times, I won't go into it in length, but they knew with growing up, if they could get me to promise, unless it became absolutely impossible to do, they got it. But however, knowing that that, I don't, I promised a few things, but not very often. You know, and, and, but, or they would keep working. Like, they'd ask for something. I said, well, we'll see what we can do. That was usually my answer. You know, and they'd always go, do you promise? Because they, that, that promise was like bankable. You could bank on the promise. And so they'd work. And I said, no, I can't promise you that, but I'll do the best I can. But if I said I promise, then, then I did it. So, and the, the big illustration I've always done with that, we'll do it again. Some of you are new. When my son was five, six, seven, eight, he was big into NASCAR. Loved NASCAR. NASCAR, NASCAR, NASCAR. All about NASCAR. And so, um, and Jeff Gordon was his guy. And so at one point, we went up to Daytona to the big NASCAR museum. If you're not a NASCAR fan, this won't apply to you at all. But they have this big NASCAR museum at Daytona at the racetrack. He wanted to go. I took him, little guy. And, and that year, every year in the museum, besides all sorts of other stuff, they put the winning car of the Daytona 500 in there. And it happened to be Dale Earnhardt had won that year, and his car was there. So we got to see the car, and it was pretty cool. And, and yet his guy was Jeff Gordon, you know. And so he said to me, the little guy, right? I think he was seven. He said, Daddy, he said, if, uh, if Jeff Gordon wins the Daytona 500, can we come back to the museum so we can see his car? And I was caught up in the moment. I said, yeah, okay. He said, do you promise? I said, sure, I promise. I'm thinking to myself, these guys hardly ever win that race. <laughs> I'm golden. Okay. So, like three months later, it's Daytona 500 time. It just, we had just been there, and it was time to run the Daytona 500. And we're watching the Daytona 500, and we're getting down to the last few laps, and, and Gordon's up in the front. He's in it. You know, and, you know, if you've ever seen the 500, they change positions constantly. And, and so we're like two laps to go. My seven-year-old son hits his knees. He starts praying. Oh, God. And I wanted to go, no fair! No fair! <laughs> I know what's going to happen. Stop! <laughs> Jeff Gordon won. I had a promise. So it was, I didn't, didn't want to go back to Daytona. We'd just been there. Sure enough. I said, all right, let's go. And he, cause he knew he had it. And it wasn't really fair, but it's okay. I was like, here, I got some other stuff for you to pray for too. <laughs> okay. So, God keeps his word. God's faithful. You need to know that going into it. That when you go to prayer, he loves you and he's faithful. Number three, he's actively involved. He is actively involved. He's close. He's not absent. He's as close as your next heartbeat. So you need to know that about God. Because sometimes, again, people get this picture that God's distant, far off, uninvolved. He's out there. He's just an impersonal force, and he doesn't care, and he's not involved. And it's not true. He's involved in your day-to-day, moment-to-moment lives. Uh, It amazes me sometimes. God's involvement in my life. It, 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 
uh, it's just, it's so constant where something will be and I'll start thinking to myself, I wonder how we're going to deal with that. And it's dealt with because God's in dealing with it. You know, and, and mostly it's me just getting out of the way because he's that involved. See, this is how involved is God is in our lives. And yet we, we sometimes begin to think that he's not around and we keep taking matters into our own hands. And, and yet he's, he's actively involved in your day-to-day, moment-to-moment life. Acts 17, 26 through 28 says, From one man he made every nation that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he determined the times set for them and the exact places where they should live. I, just think about that. That's fascinating. But God planned where you would be. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. He is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. For him we live, we move We have our being. He has not left us alone. He is with us and for us. You need to know that he's actively involved in your life. He's right there. He's here. He's present. He's with you. He's for you. And and he's involved in your day-to-day, moment-to-moment life. And number four, you need to know this. He is always, he is always in the equation. He is always in the equation. See, that's really important. Especially when life is upside down, when things are difficult, when we get discouraged, when, when it seems like we're going to be overwhelmed, he is always in the equation. If you were here again last week and you heard Barry speak, Barry talked about being down in a little bit and he used a hee-haw reference. How many of you were here when Barry did his hee-haw reference last week? Now, I've got to tell you, I love Barry's message, but I felt like his hee-haw reference lacked zeal. Especially from someone from Louisiana, because he kind of stumbled through gloom, despair, and agony on me. See, I used to watch Hee Haw. Anybody here else watch? You watch Hee Haw when it's on TV? See, that song went, gloom, despair, and agony on me. Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. How many of you remember that song? It was a bad song, wasn't it? Do you remember this one? Where, oh, where are you tonight? Why did you leave me here all alone? I searched the world over and thought I'd found true love. You met another and you was gone. Okay. I'm off track. <laughs> I wonder what my wife's going to do if I do that tomorrow. She might stop me. Look, uh, back on point. We've talked about this, but you always need to keep God in the equation of your life. See, He can handle any problem that you give Him. Nothing is beyond His ability. Nothing is too hard for Him. Nothing is beyond His resources. No request is too big or too small, your heavenly Father, your heavenly Daddy, really can do anything. Ephesians 3.20 says this. This is in the Living Bible. Now glory be to God, who by His mighty power at work within us is able to do far more than we would ever dare to ask or even dream of. 
infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, or hopes. Ephesians 3.20. You guys got that slide up there? Is it in the notes? There we go. Uh, God can do anything, you know, far more. Oh, it's in the message. Then you could even imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, His Spirit deeply and gently within us. See, here's the deal. When you approach God, you need to know that He loves you. You need to know that He keeps His promises. You need to know that He's involved in your life and that He's capable and, and He wants to know you and connect with Him as Abba, Daddy. And see, this is how it starts. This is the Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And, and knowing this allows us and gets us ready to engage in the rest of the prayer. And so I, I want to make sure that we, we all have this concept of God as we approach him. That, that he's our daddy who loves us. Who's able to do more than we could possibly imagine. That he's for us. That he's actively involved. This is the sort of the cornerstone or the foundation of connecting with God in prayer. So think about that this week and process it and... Begin to memorize those verses. Um, uh, you, you probably already know it, so it should be very easy. But we'll have Matthew 6, 9 down when you come back next week. All right? And then we'll take it from there. Okay. If you're watching by video, thanks for watching. Uh, if you're up in Williston, God bless you guys. We'll see you soon. If you need anything, call us, write us, and we'll do all that we can. But we're going to go ahead and close with prayer.